When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Sean Drew of Virginia Beach, Virginia. Sean will win a marathon decal showing he watched 26.2 hours of his favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Lawrence Tucker, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it, Law & Order. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Law & Order, Season 9, Episode 15, Disciple. The girl died during a religious ritual. A do-it-yourself exorcism. Margot Grayson brought her daughter to the Hallisey woman because she was a behavior problem. Whatever happened to sending the kid to her room? Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Go Bulldogs, Kevin. Go Bulldogs. Oh my God, what a deep cut. (laughs) (laughs) Deep cut. (laughs) Ah, and rounding out our panels, our special guest, the returning champion from the awesome 80s podcast, Lawrence Tucker. Hey, Lawrence. Hello. How are you two? We're great. I guess our last uh, uh, appear- your last appearance here wasn't so traumatic that you decided you would never return. <laughs> well, Sandy Duncan makes everything better, and so it's true. She got me through the last one. We'll see what we'll see what happens in this one. I have a question about Sandy Duncan. Do you think she's four ten or four <laughs> twelve? <laughs> Sorry. Let's put the difference. Another deep Four cut. Foot 11. <laughs> hey, Lawrence, how has your life changed since you've been on our podcast? Oh, my goodness. You don't even under. Yeah, that's a huge, a lot of ways, a lot of ways. Uh, I found out what kidney stones were. <laughs> uh, never experienced that before. Uh, Ouch. Yeah. Sorry, Lawrence. Not a fun thing to Is learn. Is that our fault? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay, super. Uh, in fact, because of the kidney stones, I found out that I was born with one kidney. Who knew? <laughs> oh, what? Goodness. It's 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 called a horseshoe kidney. What happened was yeah. in the womb, my two kidneys became one a super kidney. Wow. Uh, one super kidney. One super kidney. Apparently, one, one super <laughs> kidney to rule them all. <laughs> Apparently, one in 500 people have this affliction, but don't know it because who really goes and gets pictures taken of their kidneys unless they really have to? That's true. Yeah. Good thing 
You weren't on for our Dan Taberski episode where the guy got the kidney ripped out of his body. That's what I was wondering. Like, yeah. if somebody, like, kidnapped Lawrence and put him in a bathtub full of ice, well, like, they'd be very disappointed. Very surprised. <laughs> disappointment. Very surprised. Yeah. <laughs> they had to drug him and drag him back to that hotel. <laughs> so they had to buy all that ice. Yeah. Rent a scalpel and then be like, damn, there's nothing on the side. <laughs> it just one big kidney. It, it's kind of in the middle for me. So yeah, they oh. would be like, he has no kidneys unless they really, Man, you they know. They would have hacked you up like a butcher. Oh, it would have been oh, horrible. Oh. Hopefully that never happens to poor <laughs> I think he's, I think he's safe. Of all the things I've worried about, that is now I have that in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence, we've already asked you this, but can you tell us of all the Law & Order franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team. I thought about this today because I was like, man, what if I give a different answer than I did last time? Uh, well, we will. We will totally forgive you. It's fine. Well, I'm pretty. We just heard you say it the previous episode. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I decided on because this is what I felt in my gut today that it was going to be uh, Lenny Briscoe and, and Detective Green. Mm. It was, and that's what you said. Yes, all right. I ultimately went with Briscoe and Green, which I don't know if you hear that too often. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good pick. Was he the one in our clip episode who said, I'm sure nobody ever says this? Yes, he was. (laughs) That's me. Made the clip episode. (laughs) But without having the refresher course, can we ask you, who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Oh, that's got to be McCoy and Claire Kincaid. Yeah, Mm. classic choice. Yeah, Mm. I mean, you just can't beat that tension. And last No, you're (laughs) a a romantic at heart. I I am, I am. (laughs) All right, let's look at the first half of this episode, Law and Order. Season 9, Episode 15, Disciple. Mm. Uh, I do have a warning uh, I'd like to just put out there for my own personal uh, benefit. Uh, Things I say in this show about this episode... Do not reflect my thoughts on overall religion, <laughs> but there's some there's some weird things I may comment in this, and I don't want that to be taken as this is my thoughts on religion as a whole. <laughs> no Thank one, you. No one is coming for you with pitchforks and torches. Wait, can we extend that warning to me as well, please? <laughs> no, I think things you're going to say are actually your own view about religion. They might be. Okay, it's true. They All right. <laughs> So, boy, the things you'll find lying around in emergency rooms. <laughs> like a dead kid. Oh, God. What's with the wrists? And the ankles. Trish, look at your wounds. Bruises and chafing all the way around her midsection. Tied up like an animal. Tied up with what? There's no fibers, probably not a rope. Could be a chain. Wasn't the bonds of love. So who is this little girl? Briscoe and Curtis ask Margot Grayson if it's her daughter. She says, nope, Kira is now in North Carolina, but her story isn't checking out. Margot is so committed to the lie that it takes Brainer to the morgue to look at the body to finally admit it. Still, she says she thought Kira ran away and she's not responsible for the death. Chipped paint could mean Kira was chained to the radiator. And a neighbor says Margot got a call from a guy named Bill. Tracing the call to a shelter, the detectives learn Bill Crawford looks like the guy in the security photos who brought Kira to the hospital. To find him, they go to a former nun and neighborhood den mother, Sister Rosa Hallisey, who's no help. Bill's flophouse roommate turns over a bloody jacket, and they catch Bill in a Chinese movie theater. (laughs) 
<laughs> the face you just made when you said that. <laughs> Carmichael arraigns Margot and Bill, even though there are big holes in the case. Margot's alibi is that she was in church at the time of Kira's death. Plus, they don't have a motive and can't connect their suspects. That's when the person who walks around with phone records hands them to Abby. It shows a call from that North Carolina number to Sister Rosa. At her apartment, they find restraints under the mattress and a shrine to St. Michael. Mm. And that's when Bill tells them troublemaker Kira died during a botched exorcism. Mm. <laughs> Who well, doesn't hate a botched exorcism? I know. <laughs> it's like a dinner party that just went wrong. I always thought Saint Michael was who uh, John Travolta played in that movie. He was an angel, but apparently this was not him. Do you guys remember the movie where John Travolta <laughs> yeah, just I, became I do an remember angel? That. It was called Michael. Yeah. It's pretty horrible. Check it With out. The dancing. There was dancing yeah, of, in that movie. That's all I of remember. Of course, there was dancing. <laughs> With John Travolta. Yes, oh, Spirit God. in the Sky dancing in yeah. that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, first out, shout out to all the moms keeping kids home for school for the right reason. <laughs> I'm sorry. Three kids home with the flu for a week. Yeah, I know how it is. No, you don't. You get to go to work. Right. <clears throat> Good luck. Yeah. Remind me to buy flowers for Deborah tonight. That scene was awesome because Curtis was like, you know, the kids are a disaster. They're all throwing up everywhere. He's, and he's, she's like, oh, it's horrible. And he's like, I know what it's like. And she's like, no, you don't. You get to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> the patriarchy. Uh, as I'm looking here at my piece of paper, I noticed that I had made a note to research and I have not, I failed. But Dr. Sugarman, Sugarman's a, one of those law and order <laughs> names, right? Yeah. He's young and he doesn't give a shit about his job either as a doctor or as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, getting back to the mom at the in the apartment, you know Curtis never sent any goddamn flowers to his wife. Never. For, yeah, for being a good mom. Nope. <laughs> that's, sent, what he, that's what he's gonna do. But he, he gave her a nice bracelet after he fucked uh, Jennifer Garner. <laughs> but never said any flowers. So, oh, you stayed home with the kids because they have a flu. <laughs> now the public relations guy in me says, "Hey, great job staying on message, Margot Grayson." <laughs> but I showed you Kira's picture in a uniform. PS eighty nine doesn't have uniforms. She was wearing her cousins. <laughs> nope, not my kid. There's a photo of somebody else. That's my kid. It's very elaborate. I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going to, it's just not my kid. Let's pretend this is the first time you saw this episode. And right yeah. when they go to meet Margot and you see that hair, you knew she was involved because they spent <laughs> money on that hair. I mean, that is a stylist. <laughs> They also had some rando actress pose in a uniform in a photo mm -hmm. for the purpose of putting it on her sideboard. So this is a question I have. I know I'm not spoiling anything because you've already said in the recap that like it was her kid, right? Right. Okay. So we know that. So the part of this plan to deceive the cops about it not being her kid is to get a photo of somebody else and put it on a sideboard in your house instead of just, I don't know, putting away all the photos that you actually <laughs> have of your kid. 
<laughs> where did they? Where did she get that photo? I don't know. It's never explained. I mean, it's like her plan is so elaborate. It's like the photo that comes in the frame at Mike's. My, yeah. <laughs> I just got to cut out this little barcode, and it's good. I don't want to take you back to the last episode I was on, but that's the episode I subtitled "Lenny Learns About the Internet." So <laughs> there's there's lots of possibilities. You can just buy photos of kids. <laughs> it's true. You oh, can. That sounds like an SVU episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second I said it, I was like, that's a, a wrong show. Wrong show. So Van Buren is like, she's finally had enough of this shit. She's like, you get your ass down to this morgue. <laughs> and you look through the window. Are you going to stand there and tell me that's not your daughter? Oh, my God. Here. Hey, you're a dead kid, and you tell me that's not your dead kid. She's a cop in this episode. But she's added up to here with this bullshit. <laughs> Is there anything better than when Van Buren just loses it finally? She's no. the best. She is the best. It takes a lot, but when she loses it. She's a simmering pot of hostility. <laughs> <laughs> well, she keeps getting passed over them promotions. <laughs> yeah. All right, we have a bunch of Hey, It's That Guys. Yeah, we do. Hey, it's... That guy. Let's start with our hey, it's that girl. Who is the actress playing Sister Rosa? I asked St. Michael what to do. He said Satan was getting stronger, that I had to drive him out. Drive him out with pain. I prayed for the strength to fight Satan. Uh, is that Francis? What's her name? Conroy. Conroy. Yeah. It's Francis Conroy. <laughs> so she was the mother, Ruth Fisher, on Six Feet Under. And you've, you've seen her recently as one of the anthology actors on American Horror Story. Really? Yeah, over the years she's played uh, Myrtle the Witch and the ghostly maid uh, Moira. I think she has like a real frailty about her as an actress. She's like your aunt. Your aunt who knits. That's who she is. <laughs> she's like your aunt who has uh, went to Woodstock, uh, can tell you those stories, uh, married a guy... And, you know, he did her wrong and she's just become like your substitute mom who actually takes you to do cool things when you're a latchkey kid. And she also knits. That's who she is. I fleshed this out. What the fuck, Rebecca? (laughs) She's a lot warmer. She's a lot warmer to you. To me, she's the aunt who like (laughs) lives in the weird house and like has some pets, but you never really see them when you're over there. But, you know, they're there and she has a rocking chair. What the fuck, Lawrence? <laughs> Lawrence and I are very similar. We sort of flesh I these things yeah, out absolutely. in our minds. We like to imagine ourselves with these people and who would they be to us. Like yeah. We have bigger imaginations than you do, apparently, Kevin. I, I guess so. So Frances Conroy, uh, she's in the new season of Arrested Development. Mm. Her character's name is Lottie Dottie Da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, or, hey, it's that guy. Um, who is playing the defense attorney? But what the law asks you to do is to judge my client's actions by her state of mind when this tragedy occurred. Well, that's Bunk from, yeah, from uh, The Wire. That's all I know him. He's Bunk from The Wire, right? Yeah. Do you know his name? Wendell Pierce. Yeah, Wendell Pierce. This is his sixth Law & Order franchise appearance. Like, so you know him as Bunk from The Wire. He has shown up in a bunch of stuff uh ray donovan suits the odd couple jack ryan and he has an upcoming role playing bb king oh Oh, that's a good fit i can see that that i could see he's just like i i think he's so likable yeah totally 
Even when he's bunk on the wire. <laughs> One of those corrupt-ass cops in Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have corrupt cops in Baltimore, do they? Um, okay. It's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to see a former Hey, It's That Guy. It's Bill Camp, husband to Elizabeth Marvel. He's playing Barney. 30 bucks, I get to buy what I want. He's, he's been in a million things, including The Night Of. He's played the shooter in season 13's Everybody Loves Raimundo's where we uh, flagged him as a, hey, it's that guy. But can you tell me who is playing Bill Crawford? Are we talking about Mel Rodriguez? We are. (laughs) Rosa did one of those ceremonies. What kind of ceremony? You know, praying and stuff to make the girl better so she wouldn't be bad all the time. Who is Mel Rodriguez? Uh, well, at first he has the one of the best IMDb photos of all time, if you haven't seen it. Please do so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mel's been in some things. Little Miss Sunshine. He, uh, he was in The Watch, Panic Room. He kind of plays a heavy, I believe. Kind of a... Oh, what's the guy from Ghost? The guy who kills Patrick Swayze. He reminds me of him. He's in a lot of things. It's kind of like the bad guy. Yeah, so like 15 years later and 100 pounds later, hmm. he'll play Todd Rodriguez in The Last Man on Earth. Hmm. Oh, my He's, God. Uh, the main, yes, looks completely different, oh, right? Holy cow. You just blew my mind. Oh, my God, you're shook? Uh, you did. <laughs> Every time I've been here now, first it was Sandy Duncan's eye, and now this. I am shook. <laughs> <laughs> You just got it. <laughs> That's so good. I'm going to dub in some laughter from when I was. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Can you recognize the little girl playing Alyssa Turner? I can. That's Leighton Meester from Gossip Girl. I think it's her. She's not in my class. She's like hyperactive or something. Who has exactly the same face she had like later when she was on TV in her 20s. Just exactly the same. Yeah, she played Blair on Gossip Girl. Even when she's just giving her mom like the, fuck you, even though you've been beaten by dad mom look. Like like she's (laughs) supposed to be giving a super weird, like like they're in a shelter and like they Mm. just ran away from their abusive dad. And she still has attitude to her mom who literally has a black eye. It's a little weird. I know, fuck you kid, right? But it's very on brand. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that kid. All right, those were all great. Uh. Folks, but I want to know, do you recognize the actor who's playing Margot's attorney? Streets are dangerous. Obviously, the child ran into someone who killed her. Margot's attorney? Yeah. I don't know if I do. When do we even see? Oh, no, no, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Okay, that's Jim Brocaccia. His claim to fame is that he's been in over 1,000 commercials. (laughs) And he is, ready, the voice of Olive Garden. Oh, Congratulations. When you're here, you're family. Soup, salad, and breadsticks. Yes. You know what? I hear it now. I hear it. You do hear it now, right? You may be family, but you're not Italian. (laughs) It's a good time to remind everyone that the pasta pass is for sale here soon. So (laughs) if you want that unlimited pasta for like 60 days, you better fork over that 100 bucks. (laughs) So Briscoe and Curtis start canvassing, trying to find the guy that they see the surveillance video, he's wearing a, a bulldog's jacket. That was your reference earlier. Go bulldogs. And I, my favorite cutaway is that Curtis shows this guy a picture of the suspect, and he says, This is the guy that dropped Kira off at the hospital, you know? Kind of looks like you. Kind of looks like you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of looks like you. Yeah, it looks like everybody. <laughs> <And> sh- <laughs> 
<laughs> it looks like you and you. Not the old guy who played the candlestick in uh, Beauty and the Beast, but it looks like the rest of you. You get a suspect photo and you get a suspect photo. <laughs> Van Buren, that could be you. How do you feel about the Bulldogs? They're going to win this year? <laughs> <laughs> So we got to remember, they arrest Bill after Mm. catching him in the Chinese theater. They arraign him, and then he's around in the system for a while. They arrest Sister Rosa. They bring him back. He's still in the same fucking clothes. He's just just sitting there. Bill has this kind of aw shucks uh, thing about him, but he kept saying they kept asking him if he was in the room when it or it happened or when it happened. And I'm a Hamilton fan. I don't know if you guys are Hamilton fans, but in my mind, I was just like, Bill was in the room where it happened. The room where it happened. The room where it happened. I was just super pissed at how mean they were being to Bill. He was so clearly because he surfaced so early as a suspect, like we as viewers know he didn't do it. And they're just so mean. And I'm like, stop being mean to Bill. He just wanted to watch a movie in the Chinese theater and swap his jacket out. He's a Bulldogs fan. Don't be so mean. By the way, they go into that Chinese theater and the music that is playing is so not PC. <laughs> It's like, but maybe all the Chinese films playing there have that soundtrack. I don't know. We don't know. But it was pretty. Ins- <laughs> Listen, it's a good place to stay warm. That's all right. we're Apparently so. <laughs> if you're homeless, go to the Chinese theater. Get some popcorn. You're hungry again in an hour. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was a see- good joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the toilet. <laughs> Now, because when they go to to Sister Rose's apartment, Lenny's nosing around in the living room, and the tech comes out and he says, There's nothing in the kitchen. It's clean like you can't believe. Like they just spent an hour spraying luminol everywhere, and that's when Curtis says, Hey, check out the bedroom. (laughs) Like you couldn't have at least like looked around first? (laughs) Like they spent all the time in the kitchen. I don't know. There's stuff back there. We'll get to that. (laughs) We'll get to that. Why would they assume the girl was killed in the kitchen? <laughs> no, am I the only one? I mean, a lot of exorcisms take place in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But I actually thought they literally meant the kitchen was clean. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually how I interpreted that. I thought <laughs> they, she cleaned the kitchen. Okay. I, Nothing I, to see here, officer. I thought they were... Sister Rosa keeps a clean kitchen, guys. <laughs> I thought, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. When I saw that scene, I literally thought... They were commenting on, wow, we've been to like a lot of shithole apartments in the last couple of days. <laughs> but in this one, there are golf clubs, there are roller skates, and the kitchen is clean. That's, yeah. That's what I, maybe I, maybe that was just my misinterpretation. <laughs> no, they go in and they find like all the restraints underneath the bed, and it's like, why are you thinking it's a murder? Maybe Sister Rose's got a kink. Right. That's what I'm saying. In 2019, that scene would have went really different than it did then. Yeah. Yeah, she wouldn't have had, like, secondhand belts. She would have gone to, like, leather and lace and have gotten, like, the really good, high-quality cuffs. Mm. Right. Why, why does Sister Rosa have a swing in here? Leather with the dog studs. Yeah. I have, a, like, a real question, though. Yeah. She has her exorcism armoire. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Why... Are there Christmas lights inside the exorcism armoire? Is that for Christmas our is benefit? a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Just so that we can see Christmas, it. Christmas, <laughs> Jesus, St. Michael, exorcism. It's pretty simple if you think about it. Yeah. 
But I wonder, did she drill a hole in the back so she could run the wiring? I mean, it's an armoire. It's not a... It's not an entertainment center. You know she did because she can fix bicycles. Uh, she does all that mechanical stuff. You know that thing was wired for those Christmas lights just waiting. So here's the thing. Like, if you're keeping it lit all the time, presumably. All the time, yeah. Like, are you just doing exorcisms constantly? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the heat lamp at McDonald's. You never know when you're going to need it. Well, I th- I'd like to think she shuts them off at night, wakes up in the morning and thinks, is this an exorcism day? Nah, I'm not turning them on. It's kind of want to lay it on the couch. It could be, though. Right? It could be. Let's plug it in just in case. There is nothing more embarrassing than someone bringing someone over for an exorcism and you don't have your lights on. <laughs> no puke bags. No lights on in the cabinet. It's like, hey, does, she, does she even exorcism, bro? Like, what, what are we have, doing here? Haven't cleaned the sheets since the last exorcism. Right. It's very embarrassing. What happened to my over? Overweight crucifix. <laughs> Her Yelp reviews going down the drain. Yeah. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Now let's look at the second half of this episode. Both Margot and Sister Rosa are charged with murder. Depraved indifference. Kira was tied to a bed during the ritual. They fractured her ribs, punctured her lung. To save her from the devil. Margot says Kira was an out-of-control teen, and she didn't know how to change her behavior. Margot agrees to testify against Sister Rosa, saying she convinced her Kira was possessed by the devil and to perform the exorcism. In her own defense, Sister Rosa says she heard the voice of St. Michael tell her the devil was getting stronger and she needed to act. That's when Carmichael rolls her eyes and makes a jerk-off hand gesture (laughs) under the table. Rosa says she and Bill bound the child to the bed, placed a crucifix on her chest, and fatally crushed her ribs by laying on top of her. Although she admitted just about everything, McCoy thinks her religious convictions are real and worries the jury won't convict her after a strong summation saying that she is accountable to God and to the laws of man. (laughs) The jury finds her guilty. Okay, so when they tell Schiff what the motive is, he says, you know, they say Kara was out of control and they performed an exorcism. He says, whatever happened to sending a kid to her room? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever happened to just chaining a kid to a radiator? Like we do all the time. They did that too. (laughs) It didn't work. And he rubbed his forehead and went, ah. I gotta say, I felt very disappointed because all we heard over and over again in this episode was how freaking awful Kira was, right? Yeah. All, and we're like, oh, she's a, she's a monster. She's a nightmare. She's terrible. We never saw it. Well, she was fucking dead, Rebecca. I know, but I kind of What, do you want like, her corpse to roll around and like roll her eyes? It would have been nice to have like the Look at her one, iPhone. Like, <laughs> like, like the cold open scene Yeah, maybe could have like started with some of her being awful because I just felt no. so bad that all these adults were talking about how awful she is. I'm like, she's a child, guys. What is the matter with I, you? I nicknamed the second half of the episode. So exorcisms, they're okay, I guess. 
Because <laughs> that's how I felt. Like, it was just like, she was awful. So it kind of had to happen, right? Like, that was just kind of the defense argument. That's right. Totally. Well, Carmichael goes to see a priest about an exorcism, and he's like, yeah, we've got an app for that. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> the afflicted person does not levitate or move objects around a room. Maybe the air of secrecy stirs up people's imaginations. I'm not going to debate church doctrine with you, Miss Carmichael. This is why I love McCoy and Carmichael so much. And my huge problem with this episode is that we did not get any Carmichael courtroom scenes confronting this nut on the stand. As she never about. gets to do that. She just sits I there know, and she gets arraignments, Rebecca. Come on. <laughs> it's a formula. Her whole like eye rolly, this is total bullshit, hocus pocus, what are you all talking about Ness, this episode is why I love her so much. And she went in there with these two men and they're sort of like, well, you know, people of faith. And she's just like, Ugh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> you know she really is making that hand jerk off gesture, right? Half the time, like, oh, fuck you, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Sister Rosa gets on the stand. Of course, we've she's uh, first direct examination from Bunk, and then later the next day the cross examination from McCoy. So she's talking a lot, spinning her whatever. Uh, Rebecca, let's start with you. What do you think of uh, this performance by Sister Rosa? Well, it's an amazing performance by the actress, Frances yep. Conroy. Deadpan, <laughs> creepy. I have to say, the thing that made me feel the worst about it was that poor Bill is basically like a bouncer for the devil. Like, he's just like... <laughs> he's the exorcism bouncer, yeah. It's like not cool to put somebody like with special needs and a vulnerable person in that situation where it's like, hey, Bill... Listen, um, you can either go work at the community center today and do some sweeping, or you can come over and hold this young person down while they try to exercise. Uh-huh. And poor Bill's like, okay. <laughs> not cool, Sister Rosa. Not cool. By the way, we know that Bill doesn't have a car. Did he carry her all the way to the hospital? <laughs> I think and nobody did. noticed? <laughs> Big guy with a bulldog's like jacket. like Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> staring at a dead kid for blocks. Lawrence, what do you think about Sister Rosa's testimony? She utters the line. I didn't ask for this gift. Who does? Yeah. (laughs) It was one of the most disturbing things I've seen in a long time. Her delivery was excellent. But you could tell, like, I mean, once again, the actress, you know, playing Sister Rosa, she believed, made that character believe that this was a gift. And... That was like, okay, that kind of made my hair stand up a little. Like when she just said, like, looks in, she's like, I didn't ask for this gift. It's like, okay, murdering kids is a gift. Once again, exorcism is okay as long as the child's a brat. That's right. I got to say, I always say, I didn't ask for this gift. (laughs) Like a bunch of times a day. (laughs) I don't ask to not be able to put the toilet seat down. (laughs) I don't ask for the gift of not knowing what laundry gets done on hot and what gets done on cold. I don't ask for that. I don't ask for that. Are there different temperatures in the laundry? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Sister Rosa had, I'm assuming more than one character witness, but the one that we saw on the stand was a dad who testified that she also performed an exorcism on his kid and it worked. We heard Rosa praying. I know this is going to sound crazy, but when my son walked out of there, he was a different person. And all I have to say is, couldn't they have gotten people just being like, 
She taught my kid how to ride a bike. She fixed his <laughs> roller skates. She helped him like become a better person, do community. We started doing all these other things. The character witness was she also performed an exorcism on my son and it worked. That was bananas. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just think it shows that she's got experience. <laughs> this was before they had Yelp. Right? I mean, how else are you going to say who does a good exorcism? I know. Sister Rosa. <laughs> She knits. She's the aunt. She's got a light-up armoire with St. Michael in it. <laughs> the, the describing of the stabbing through the chest with the crucifix also kind of bothered me. You think? You didn't like that? All those broken yeah. ribs? I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you, Sister Rosa is the creepy aunt, not the nice, like, cool aunt. <laughs> Listen, that husband <laughs> left her for a reason. He did. <laughs> His damn secretary, that's what it was. <laughs> okay, so meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, uh, Jack, Abby, and Schiff have a talk about the devil. People see the devil as an allegory. I'm not so sure I do. Horns and a pitchfork, Jack? I've been prosecuting murderers for almost 25 years. A man rapes a 10-year-old, sprays a can of insecticide in her mouth, leaves her to die. There are things I can't explain away as aberrant human behavior. You can believe evil exists without buying into demonic possession. If your religious faith is based on miracles, why not anti-miracles? McCoy has seen things. <laughs> he has seen things. Can I tell you something? With your voice sounding like it does right now, a little yeah. bit hoarse, you're talking about McCoy has a completely different effect on me. You actually sound a little bit like Jack McCoy. No, I don't. <laughs> hey, guys, kid, kid in the room. Kid in the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lawrence, what do you think about this this discussion that they have? Basically, what they come down to is the idea whether or not um, if she believes, truly believes that St. Michael is telling her to do this, that it's much, it's different than the son of Sam murder or, or somebody else who thinks they hear voices and they're doing, they're doing the wrong thing for the right reason. Few things in life get me more excited than a Jack McCoy monologue. But <laughs> this one, this one fell flaccid. It, I think, I don't, I just didn't flaccid? like... Yeah, I said that. Not turgid? <laughs> <laughs> it, to me, to me, this, this episode lacked a bit of, uh, like you said, it kind of, dr- like they kind of stalled and it lacked some of that substance where Jack McCoy just didn't have enough meat on the bone to give a great Jack McCoy monologue here i i get what he's trying to do he's trying to you know separate you know did she if she believes she heard it she's not guilty of murder maybe we might lose but then you always have you know shift there and he's just like well you're gonna have to prove the saints a sinner or something uh, i can't remember his name. Uh, you can prove that they, the saints can murder somebody they tried joan of arc they said <laughs> joan of arc <laughs> And again, I counted like no fewer than three times did Schiff put his hand on his forehead. Like, oh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm having this ten years of this shit before I retire. <laughs> but to uh, your point, Rebecca, as far as Carmichael, she gave the jerk off motion with her eye rolls like every time McCoy talked in these scenes. Like she was That's just right. like, whatever. And as she should. You're right. You know, she's a God fearing Texan, I think. Yes. Right. Uh, and she uh, she's she grew up with enough people trying to preach this to her. Not Jack McCoy, that he's not the one that's going to convince her. Well, the problem is he has no credibility here. We've seen Jack McCoy in so many episodes. 
you know, on the right side of the law and like Claire Kincaid or Abby Carmichael being like, but it's a kid, Jack. Like, you really want to like try a 14 year old for, <laughs> for some heinous <laughs> thing? And he's like, well, he knew what he was doing. It was wrong. So we've seen so many of those scenes mm-hmm. that when Jack capitulates because some loon thinks that Christmas light St. Michael in her armoire is talking to her. <laughs> like it's the lion, the witch, and the saint in the wardrobe. Whoa. And you see that being that's, the thing that like turns him. Guys, that's for the clip Fine. show next time. That's great. That's fucking great. I'm just saying, like, I understand why she keeps making the hand motion at the table because I'm doing it along with her. And that's what I'm saying, too, is as far as McCoy, this is he, this was not a McCoy rant. Like, this was an out-of-character attempt to, like, extend the story a little, and I just didn't buy it, and it just wasn't Jack McCoy to me. What was happening in the culture at that time where they thought this would be an okay thing for us to believe as an audience? I'm sure we'll find out in the from the headlines part of the episode, right? I didn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, at this, it's 99. We're fearing Y2K at this point, maybe. Ooh, you know, maybe. Yeah. I will say, you know, the problem with Jack McCoy is that he wasn't effective. You know, we had the defendant on the stand. Does God absolve you? No, I have to answer to God. So you admit that in God's eyes, you're responsible for what happened to Kara Grace? St. Michael told me to take the evil out of her. You have to answer to God for what happened to Kara? Yes, Mr. McCoy. Kara was lost because I wasn't strong enough to defeat Satan. Do you acknowledge your responsibility for the child's death? I can only try and do what St. Michael asks. And he just, like, could not get her to admit that she had committed this crime. But she did admit that she committed this crime. Right, right but she wanted to admit that she was accountable to God, yes. right? Do you acknowledge responsibility? And she's like, I had no choice. And he's like, all right. <laughs> it was because I was weak and yeah, yeah, yeah. It started, I first wrote, because it starts and it looks like McCoy has her cl- set up for the classic McCoy cat and mouse, where he's yeah. going to get her to commit to saying something and then he gets the twinkle and he turns around, he looks at Carmichael, <laughs> he puts his head down, he puts it back up, he does a, three, a 180 spin and then he just goes into McCoy mode. And he got right up until like looking at Carmichael and then he just kind of lazily turned back around walked up and then like didn't nail her. I was like, all right, this is the Jack McCoy I'm waiting for. Still kind of limp. And that's when I made the note, why isn't Carmichael doing this closing? (laughs) That's not the way it goes, Rebecca. Come on. Abby says, it's black and white, Jack. It's black and white. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.
Let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. This episode was inspired by the 1998 death of Charity Miranda Martin. The 17-year-old Long Island teenager and her family believed her depression was caused by demonic possession. Her mother Vivian and older sister Serena attempted to conduct an exorcism. For two hours, the family prayed with Charity, who begged them to get the demon out of her body because it was hurting her. When Vivian believed there was no other way to free her daughter, the mother covered Charity's face with a pillow to smother her. When that didn't work, she used a plastic bag. Relatives discovered the girl had died when they entered the home and found the mother and daughter chanting over her body. Serena Miranda Martin was charged for holding her sister down while her mother suffocated her. A judge found Vivian Miranda not responsible by reason of insanity. She was sent to a mental hospital. Well, that's light. (laughs) (laughs) Little, like, fun, inspirational story to kick off an episode of Law and Order, be a little inspiration for it. Yeah. Amateur exorcism. Amateur exorcism, yeah. They didn't even have a sister Rose in the neighborhood. They did themselves. <laughs> That's why it failed. The family had recently been studying an Afro-Caribbean religion called Santeria. Oh, that's the um, one from that movie. <laughs> yeah, what's the movie with the, the, the one with the zombies and like the... Mm. Pins in the eyes that came out like in the 80s. Uh, all of them? <laughs> Hellraiser? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sometimes those, those, um, sometimes those uh, rituals involve animal sacrifice or something like that. It could be a contributing factor. Um, but here, here's a detail that I found really interesting. When those other family members arrived to the apartment and discovered the body, uh, the mom and sister were, were chanting, but they were also listening to Frank Sinatra records. Huh. Well, what, what's a good. Musical accompaniment to chanting over dead exorcism. Luck be lady tonight. <laughs> I did it my way. <laughs> they did not specify, but that's a good guess. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away as we exercise you. <laughs> exorcisms of some sort have happened for centuries because teenagers suck (laughs) (laughs) no but we have like often misidentified mental illness epilepsy things like this that for centuries we just tried to explain away by saying there's a demon in that person so let's try to get them out and it isn't a really modern science right oh for the simpler times (laughs) yeah right (laughs) let's be so easy let's just stone them (laughs) i mean i'm not saying it's better Obviously, but what Lawrence just said did like ring true with me. Like, doesn't it sound kind of awesome just to be like, it's the devil. It's fine. It's just the devil. It's a, it's a much easier explanation. It is. And <sighs> having to deal with the hard work yes. of, you know, helping somebody with a mental illness. Especially if your insurance is not great. <laughs> yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Just give me a very heavy crucifix that'll break my ribs, Ugh. and that might uh, that might do it. Think of all the time those people had to surf the internet because they weren't thinking about mental illness. They just blamed the devil. Yeah, they had the true. internet right in the 1600s. That was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't have Wi-Fi, so they had to dial oh, up. Oh, yeah, geez. I mean it was slow. Yeah, and that 
that noise. There were only three web pages. That's then, right. So, yeah. Right. And the devil is trending on Twitter all the time. So. <laughs> uh, it takes me back to the AOL chat room days, huh, guys? <laughs> Look, I don't know about the exorcism part, but damn it, there were times I would have chained a kid to the radiator if I could get away with it. Which kid? All of them. Oh, that's terrible. I mean, not at the same time. I don't think that that's a good look for you to say that on a podcast. I'm just going to be real, Kevin. Not that I haven't thought it secretly. Well, <laughs> he did say, in Kevin's defense, he did say wished. If he yeah, could. <laughs> if he could. He understood he couldn't. <laughs> That's true. Thank you, Lawrence, for being my character witness. <laughs> I was trying more of a defense lawyer, trying to you know, help you out. <laughs> You're better than punk. Well, that's going to do it for us. I want to thank our special guest, Lawrence Tucker. Lawrence, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Awesome 80s Podcast. Uh, currently, I have taken 2019 away from pod, uh, from doing my own podcast uh, after 10 straight years I just wanted a break so 2019 mm. is the year of doing stuff I've never done before exorcisms yes I've not <laughs> uh, I went to my first renaissance fair I don't know if you guys have been very impressive if you go to the Did right you eat one. a giant turkey leg I, like walking around in like a fancy cat costume uh, I mean I had a cat costume uh, <laughs> no, you know, the, everyone said the turkey legs that day were dry, so I just I, mm. I stayed away. I had a bunch of chicken, though. Nice. Oh, that is much better than podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Living my best life, 2019. Nice. Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, you can listen to Crime Writers On, or you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Reb Lavoie. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips from this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was produced in the Yoga Loft, above the Bodega, in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. It is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.